This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome to the weekend party time. Indeed. Certainly on Wall Street and almost Bay Street. Uh, they do party better in America, I must say. Um, yep. Uh, all but the NASDAQ trading at an all-time high. The NASDAQ is still below its previous peak. And I shall say arigato uh, if you're Japanese. Uh, congratulations. Uh, the Nikkei has just bested its previous peak set in 1989. Uh, that was unbelievable. That was a real estate bubble of epic proportions, probably right up there with the South Sea bubble where Sir Isaac Newton lost all of his money. Yes, you get a little history lesson here on Hi-Fi Radio, but... Uh, we can learn from history, and uh, we always look at numbers in the past as we try to make some uh, forecasts for the future. Although, uh, I've learned that uh, forecasting is really hard to do, especially about the future. Uh, that's a bit of a joke. Uh, anyways, uh, Austin Muller uh, spending some time with us. Uh, he's an analyst uh, with Canaccord. He's also a director. Uh, he's known for his deep dive uh, analysis uh, on the space and unmanned systems industry. That sounds pretty cool, Austin. Uh, welcome back to Hi-Fi Radio, uh, and uh, hope you're having a great Saturday night, Austin. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Uh, interesting times, I must say. Um, AI is the theme of the year. Uh, there was a lot of uh, bated breath, I shall say, on Bay Street this week, uh, anticipating and awaiting the arrival of the NVIDIA uh, quarterly results. Um, obviously, they smashed it. Stock hit a new all-time high. Uh, semiconductors, software, internet security, it's getting some love. Uh, but you're covering uh, the energy space, uh, alternative energy or new energy with companies uh, uh, storing power, companies like Enphase Energy, but also the solar space. Um, and that's gone, I shall say, dark. Uh, there's no sun. Uh, so that's interesting, isn't it? All your stuff, stuff's working and stuff is not working. And Tesla, again, tying into uh, the electrification of the world, it's not working this year. Uh, young man, what do you have to say about that? Sure. I mean, just to speak about Enphase and Solar Edge, as as I'm sure you're aware, in uh, in the U.S. in particular, uh, interest rates remain high, and it appears that the Fed is going to hold off on lowering interest rates, and therefore they'll remain higher for longer. We're de- it, it appears quite likely that we're not getting an interest rate cut in March, and it's questionable as to whether we might get one in June. And uh, in the U.S. market for solar, whether you're purchasing, in the case of Enphase and, and Solar Edge, uh, selling in, in, inverters, uh, in addition to home battery storage and, and other related equipment, uh, in the U.S. that's traditionally financed by a lot of residential consumers, and so uh, the the payback period has gotten significantly longer on purchasing home home solar equipment just with interest rates where they're they're being high yeah so so what is that payoff that's that's an interesting point you bring up sure i mean historically the payback period was maybe six or seven years but with interest rates where they're at right now it's it's more more than uh 10 years so i think that's made the calculation more calcul more complicated for Households, and so I, I think we'll we'll see a recovery in the solar market, particularly inverters paired with uh, battery storage, as we start to see interest rates decline. But in, until that happens, that's going to be a 
continue to be a, a headwind in the U.S. market. Well, look, we certainly understand green and the, the importance of it. Uh, all we need to do is look out the window and... Uh I challenge you to say global warming isn't real. Uh, and yes, of course, global warming per se didn't create the anomaly of this year being so warm per se. It is cyclical. There's more to it than just global warming. But without question, the last 40 years, the trend has been for a much milder climate, uh, rising sea levels, and all kinds of uh, catastrophe. And uh, the sad thing is, um, and you bring this point up, Jack, uh, that we do, we do as Canadians or Torontonians anyways, live in a bit of a, a sweet spot for global warming because some people do actually benefit from it. But uh, I think overall, global warming is a net negative, And uh, I think the world truly does understand that. Um, Tell me something, and Jack, you may be aware of this as well. Um, one of our analysts pays attention to, is it brownouts for paying attention to? Um, for Generac. For Generac. Yes. Uh, what type of funky data and things do you look for to see trends in your industry picking up or lightening up beyond, you mentioned interest rates having an impact on uh, in the space of alternative power. But what other things do you look for, uh, Austin, to give you clues of the direction? Um, sure. So, I mean, a, a good uh, thing to track is like the International Energy Agency puts out data on the amount of uh, ener- electricity that's generated by solar power, as well as the amount of installed solar capacity that's that's out there. And so, I mean, in in on on the entire planet, in at the end of 2022. There was over 1,050 gigawatts of installed solar generating capacity uh, that that's out there, and that's grown over 30 uh, by a 31 percent CAGR since 2010. So wow. the amount of installed capacity continues to increase significantly, and based on the International Energy Agency's projections, uh, it's expected that that solar capacity will surpass. Uh, coal and natural gas uh, generating capacity by the year 2027. So it's it's continuing to accelerate. We're continuing to see installation of more solar equipment in high demand markets like the U.S., Europe, and China. And we expect those trends to continue irrespective of any near-term slowdown associated with interest rates in the residential market. If you're just tuning into the show, it is one about money. I am Wolfgang Klein, the host, along with my partner and co-host of the show, Jack Hartle. Uh, it's Hi-Fi Radio. Each and every Saturday, we bring it to you. And uh, we look for the smartest minds uh, to join us as we do a little bit of money workshop each and every Saturday night. Uh, Austin Moeller, one of our analysts at Canaccord, who covers uh, solar stocks and uh, battery storage and sustainability, as we like to uh, position it as, um, you know, stuff of tomorrow. Uh, really, really interesting, um, but not without risk, I shall uh, say. You know, Austin, I'll tell you, it's uh, interesting market once again because, uh, yeah, and I, I'm going to get technical here for a moment, but market breadth, although it's um, widening, more names are participating in the bull market, there's still a lot of things that aren't getting love, and a number of stocks are truly front and center. NVIDIA is front and center. It's getting all the love. Uh, You know, Meta continues to have a lot of legs to it, getting love. Apple looks lower to me. Uh, We sold our position. Google looks sort of mixed, sold our position. But regardless of what we've done, the Magnificent Seven, uh, as they like to call them, they being, of course, uh, Wall Street pundits and the like, uh, it continues to get a lot of attention. And my point is, names that are very viable businesses that don't get any attention and love just sit there and neander, shall I say. Um, are you noticing that in your space right now, some neandering, lack of interest? 
Yes, I mean, there's there's certainly been trends around that and both small and mid-cap stocks struggling over the past two years Yeah, uh, in relation to the, you know, the seven mega-cap stocks that are, are currently driving the market. Yeah. But I, I think if we, if we start to see expectations around interest rate declines or uh, we start to see rate cuts that, that could potentially drive uh, a, a resurgence in demand and interest in small and mid-cap stocks. Again, we saw some evidence of that in December where there was uh, a lot of rumors that we were getting closer to interest rate cuts and there was uh, you know, a rally in the NASDAQ. And so I, I would expect to see similar trends if we do actually get closer to, to interest rate reductions with the Fed. And that, that should directly uh, benefit some of the, the small and mid-cap stocks that have really been beaten down. You know, it truly is amazing, and I, I, I can't overstate the point enough. Uh, and I think uh, most people at home don't truly appreciate uh, the importance enough of interest rates on everything. Uh, truly, uh, interest rate is are so wide reaching uh, and again, people always thought you know homes go up because they go up because it's good location and it's canada and homes always go up and they didn't realize the impact that interest rates going from what 15 percent in 1982 down to zero in 2022 uh had some impact on the rising house price but i i, I kid you not austin i spoke to so many real estate agents and they never gave any credit to cheap money driving prices higher uh, and the same applies for many sectors of the economy. Um, but banks are funny. I know you're not a bank analyst, Austin, but what do you think the sweet spot is uh, to get some love uh, in the uh, Wall Street and Bay Street banks? Because they, they too aren't getting any love, and the culprit tends to be interest rates. Right. I mean, interest rates have a, a direct impact on the ability to finance anything. So, I mean, I don't I don't cover anything related uh, to housing stocks or housing prices, but obviously if your uh, interest rates are higher, then that impacts the amount of your mortgage payment every month. The same thing with cars or solar equipment, or even if you're a corporation trying to raise capital, it's, it's made it very difficult to raise capital in this environment just with interest rates being where they are and, and stock valuations for uh, small and mid-cap stocks really, really struggling in this environment. So uh, certainly any any reduction in interest rates, you know, 150, 200 basis points or more, I, I think that would certainly uh, be be positive for the, the market overall and particularly for the tech sector. Well, uh, you know, I have to say the, the cliches on Wall Street are so accurate. The trend is your friend. Just uh little homework that I brought to the studio today, um, Charlie Bilello, uh, he does some fabulous writing. I, I get his work through Y-charts, and he uses Y-charts as well to power some of his work. But simple chart here of NVIDIA. Uh, in 2019, NVIDIA was worth $89 billion. And that's about the size of, I don't know, Bank of Montreal. Uh, $89 billion, about the size of BCE. Actually, it's a little bit bigger. But uh, anyways, fast forward uh, to 2024, five years. That $89 billion has turned into very close close to $2 trillion. Uh, Jack, do me a favor, a commercial break. Check if uh, NVIDIA is worth $2 trillion now. Uh, it was getting very close because on this work, uh, it was worth $1.7 trillion. Stock's up 15% this week. Uh, it's getting there. $2 trillion. Wow. Unbelievable. Show about money, Hi-Fi Radio, spending some time with a very, very smart man, Austin Moeller, uh, focusing on green energy, uh, 
power storage, solar energy, uh, it's relevant. Uh, and again, uh, we want to go carbon neutral, I think, and no more combustibles by, I think, 2035. Uh, yep. Uh, the bar is high, and uh, well, uh, we'll see, of course, if we can jump over it or not, but uh, it's move- we are moving in that direction. Uh, we need to pay attention to this stuff. Quick break, get back to the show about money, Hi-Fi Radio. Any questions for Jack or I, WolfgangKlein.com, TheWolfOnBayStreet.com. More show right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. Lying in the sun and listen to rock and roll. Sunny days. Oh, sunny, sunny, sunny days. Ain't nothing better in the world, you know. Lying in the sun with your radio. Sunny days. Oh, sunny, sunny, sunny days. Turn up your radio, my friends. Little Lighthouse, remember them? Canadian content to boot. Yes, we support Canadian artists here on Hi-Fi Radio. I like to put a little fidelity into the show. It, uh, well, you know, money can be a boring topic to many people, and economics and money supply and technical mumbo-jumbo, so we got to lighten it up. Uh, try to make you smile along the way. Uh, if you're happy, uh, hopefully some of the knowledge and wisdom and experience that we share with you will sink in and help you have more money. Uh, here's an interesting piece. McDonald's uh, outperforming the S&P 500 since 1995. Wow. Um, I think they're sort of running out of Chicken McNuggets right now. Stock looks a little toppy to me, but boy, what a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic move. Of course, no one talks McDonald's. They're all talking about artificial intelligence and the likes. But uh, we're going green, and uh, we all need some vitamin D. Uh, bring on the sun. And so good for you. You get a little sun in your face and walk on the sunny side of the street and all that good stuff. And, well, if we can capture it and turn it into electricity, all the better. Uh, Austin Moeller spending some time with us. He covers the solar space. Uh, Austin, is incredible because as much as the world's going green, a stock I look at every now and then, I never buy it, but I look at it every now and then, and it surprises me, is Mr. Peabody, Peabody Energy. It's a coal stock, probably about a 150-year-old company. And uh, yeah, I think the world keeps burning more coal than ever to produce electricity. Uh, what do you know about uh, coal burning to produce uh, energy and uh, the longer-term trends on it, uh, Austin? Sure. So, I mean, as as I discussed uh, just previously about the, the International Energy Agency data, so the amount of coal that's being burned and the amount of CO2 that's being generated from coal has continued to increase, but the installed um, coal generating capacity uh, is, is um, leveling off and uh, solar installed generating capacity is in, is increasing and is expected to surpass it in 2027. So um, it, it really comes down to, uh, Looking at the uh, the the where energy pricing is at, and energy pricing in different geographies, uh, in places like Europe and California, energy prices are quite expensive. So uh, it's it's increasingly attractive there to install uh, solar and residential solar. Yeah. Uh, and then there, are, of course, in other markets where energy remains cheap. Uh, uh, demand for uh, for coal-fired power plants, uh, like in China, for example, has continued, uh, and China continues to build more coal-fired power plants. But 
overall, the, the energy transition is continuing, and eventually, over time, uh, in the near term, we should expect over the next several years that uh, solar capacity does uh, supplant coal out there, and uh, over time, what you'll know, probably in the next few decades, the, the phase out of coal power. Uh, coal-fired power plants. Interesting. Jack? Yeah, the one thing I would add there, and I just read an article on it, they were talking about artificial intelligence supposed to make everything more efficient. But in the U.S., they need the baseload power, and they're actually firing up some coal power plants back in the U.S. to uh, for the data centers that are required, for the electricity that's required for those data centers, because it is so predictable, as opposed to, obviously, solar only works when the sun's shining. Austin? Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, there certainly there will be need for some kind of base load unit within the utility grid. Uh, and so certainly a very large portion can be supplied by solar, but there will probably be some other kind of uh, base load that's added, whether that's uh, natural gas or nuclear, but probably will transition to nuclear or other renewable sources over time. Hmm. It's funny because Chemical Stock is uh, one of the world's largest producers of uranium. Uh, it, it had a fabulous run, great run, hit an all-time high, I think, uh, a few weeks ago, but has rolled over uh, recently. I want to pivot over to another space that uh, is very intriguing. And, uh, and of course, uh, more and more things are going electric. Uh, Jack, I saw someone snowblowing, not much snow, too snowblow, <laughs> but they tried with their electric snowblower and it's just cleaning up the sidewalk. They're being nice, cleaning their ice. And I watched them use electric snowblower because of course made a lot less noise and it seemed to be okay it's okay for this winter wolf yeah maybe, this maybe winter. not next winter when it's real but uh again you know when you fly and again there's a period when energy was getting so expensive they were talking about reducing the uh, amount of fuel in an airplane to make the plane a little lighter um and as such save some money but you put in less fuel then you're in any kind of emergency situation not good uh and again there there is talk of you know taking commercial airlines uh to an electrical capacity uh, austin you know a lot about this is it possible uh to you know to, to fill up a boeing uh with 500 passengers and uh, some not as skinny as me shall i say um and a bunch of luggage carry on to boot i hate the carry on they kill me these people they carry on uh, and i was losing my overhead space because of it but uh, that's my own beef anyways uh, a lot of weight and i understand those jets firing up and being able to propel that uh, megaton of steel off the runway and, you know, 10,000 miles away. But electric? Doable, Austin? Um, today, uh, with the current energy density of batteries, it's it's still probably a decade or more away before we see large commercial aircraft that are conducting longer-range flights of 500 miles or more conducting uh, flights using battery power being electric aircraft. But what we are seeing is that for shorter range regional flights that would be accomplished by uh, probably an Uber, like a city center to, to airport flight or city center to residential area flight uh, yes. that has a range in the 20 to 50 mile range or up to 100 miles, the energy density of batteries being, you know, 250 to 300 watt hours per kilogram now is sufficient to support flights of what you'd call eVTOL or electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft for those representative routes. We still have uh, 
probably another decade or more before we get uh, batteries with energy density that they could uh, be competitive with long-range uh, jet aircraft like a Boeing 737, just given that the energy density of jet fuel is about 12,000 watt-hours per kilogram. You know, it's funny. My wife and I were just, for some reason, reminiscing uh, about aviation history, and uh, up came the conversation briefly about the Hindenburg. Um and I, I was very intrigued because I, 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 I forgot that it actually crossed the Atlantic about seven or eight times until it's a, a tragic flight uh, when uh, electrical magnetic current from a, a storm plus a hole in the sheathing of it caused the gas to well, ignite and blow the old puppy up. Um, I'm curious, uh, Austin, do you know anything about that type of design? Do you think the a blimp type design could actually come back to market? Uh, it seems to be pretty cool. Dining room up in the sky, you know, probably comfy bed. Uh, it looked very, very intriguing and compelling. Uh, or is that whole concept dead? Because you still see Goodyear blimps. They're obviously moving, but not the same. Right. I, I think that using uh, blimps or what you call airships for long-distance travel is uh, is generally unattractive at this point, purely because it's not particularly fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so commercial airlines, you know, the average airline is flying between 500 and 600 miles per hour. That's amazing. It's, it's very difficult to compete with that. On, hey, a, did, a, did you have any idea how fast, how fast did the Hindenburg fly? Do you have any clue? I don't. Like how long did it take to cross um, the, the Atlantic? Probably, I think it was probably like 20 or 30 knots. Really? Whoa. You, that, so that'd be weeks to get across the Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, it, it does take an extended period of time for it to, to get places. But the biggest problem with the Hindenburg, right, and the reason why it blew up was because originally uh, the Germans in their Zeppelins, they were using hydrogen yeah. to inflate the, the airship. So, of course, any any spark ignites the hydrogen and that's why modern blimps use helium because it's a, in, like a neutral gas. Oh, that's cool. I love it. Very, very neat. Let's be learning high fire radio. Um, is there any opportunity to make any money in your sector in the short term? Or do you think, uh, again, you got to have more of a longer term view? Cause I get, what I'm seeing right now, Enphase actually technically doesn't look bad. Doesn't it, Jack? Enphase is getting it's starting to wake up, but I mean, electric aircraft, you talk about electric automobiles, Wolf, Rivian, uh, Tesla, they're having challenging times. Oh, so, time. so in terms of getting financing, how do these uh, electric aircraft companies, are they able to get uh, private equity financing? Is it public markets? Because uh, you, you talk about interest rates. With high interest rates, uh, there's not so much demand for these, I'm going to say, higher risk type of uh, no. investments. Correct. Austin? Right. We're, we're seeing a mixture of capital from pu both public and private markets. I would say that the leading front runner in the VTOL sector, Joby Aviation, ticker J-O-B-Y, they currently have over a billion dollars in cash, so they're not expected to need to conduct a raise anytime soon, either hmm. this year or the following year, uh, given their burn rate, just given they have over a billion dollars in cash. But they're also probably the closest of the five publicly traded EV total companies out there to becoming uh, um, to receiving a type certificate from the FAA. Uh, the the aircraft they've flown thirty thousand miles on it. They've conducted a hundred manned piloted flights with the aircraft, and they're continuing to make uh, regular progress towards getting the type certificate, which they expect to receive from the FAA in twenty twenty five. After which they can start 
carrying passengers on some of those representative 20 to 50 mile urban air mobility routes in and out of cities. That, that's real short. Eh? Uh, I'll tell you one thing, the Allen Airport would really like something like that because I know the residents have always complained about the noise and the, as such, I think they prevented or prohibited jets from uh, taking off and landing. But uh, the exact opposite of going electric, I think, would certainly appease uh, them. They're actually very, very unique demographic, psychographical people who live in the, the Toronto Island. They're very different than a typical Torontonian. Incredible. Indeed. Uh, Austin, I want to wish you a lovely weekend. Thank you for spending some time with us. Fascinating stuff. Uh, it's good to learn about uh, some new technology that's very viable and, uh, well, better for all of us. You have yourself a great weekend. Uh, we're going to stay on the topic of uh, technology and newness, shall I say. Bring on uh, Joe Vassi. Vaffy. He's another analyst at Canaccord. Uh, he heads up the uh, fintech and digital assets business. Uh, it's hot this year. Uh, let's pay attention to what's going on. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. it is as long as you have some hey i want you have lots of it so you have lots of gas i remember traveling to uh, spain and sat down for lunch at an outdoor uh, patio and the spanish waiter came up to us and ordered us do you want some water and we said yes we'd like some water and he said gas or no gas we looked at each other and said what he wants sparkling or flat gas or no gas water with gas that's what they say in, in uh, spain uh, so there you go you learned something Joe Vaffey spending some time with us. He's a fintech digital assets analyst at Canaccord. 20 years of experience, frequently on CNBC, CNBC and uh, Bloomberg Television. And, uh, well, he went to uh, a very, very cool uh, California business school, uh, Clara University. Um, good for you. You must have had a good time, uh, Joe. Uh, welcome to Hi-Fi Radio. You've been on a few times. I'm just going to get some cool stats here before we get into some of the nitty-gritty. And it was amazing uh, during COVID. Uh, used cars, prices went through the roof. And I, I was one of the unfortunate ones who needed a new car for one of my children because um, my diesel uh, blew up. I had a bumper diesel, a Gulf diesel, and, it, well, 18 years, and it, it was done. And so I had to look for a new car, and I couldn't find one. And a, a piece of garbage used, and I mean garbage, were like ten, fifteen thousand dollars. And uh, Teslas started to rocket up from a low of around forty-five thousand dollars for a used Tesla in twenty-one. Uh, they actually went up in value to sixty-eight thousand dollars in twenty-two. Uh, 
And I remember speaking to a client of mine and saying, hey, well, if we've got a problem here. Bank of Montreal is backing away from car financing. Uh, I don't understand, he said. Used cars always go up in price. And I said, no, they don't. He said, oh, no, don't argue with me. Well, I'm right. And sure enough, I got a nice piece of data here. And yeah, they did go up in price for about a year. And that was an anomaly. And uh, as such, uh, Tesla used prices have actually hit new lows. They went from 68000 uh, to $34,000. So uh, yes, that which goes up must come down, and if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, I'll give you another interesting data point here, uh, and that is the uh, Magnificent Seven, as we continuously talk about those seven stocks in America that are so huge. Uh, and the revenue uh, that these companies generate is, is, is truly remarkable. NVIDIA just reported quarterly results. Uh, stock is just making so much money. It's almost a $2 trillion company, Jack checked off air. Just... Uh, at the close uh, of late, the stock was just under $1.9 trillion. So it's almost a $2 trillion company. Uh, but look at the sales of Amazon, $570 billion. Apple, $450 billion. Google, 380, excuse me, I'm, I'm getting these numbers wrong. Amazon, 575, Apple, 385, Google, $307 billion. Microsoft, $227 billion. This is, I, I don't know if people really appreciate how big those numbers are. And friends at home, if any of you are salespeople, could you imagine telling your salesman you just did a $575 billion deal? <laughs> You'd be pretty happy. You know what I'm talking about if you're into sales. Uh, Joe Baffy, he's an analyst. Uh, Joe, I'll tell you something. When I want to lose money quick, I buy some crypto. Uh, I bought Coinbase Global. In about three minutes, I was down 12% on the trade. Um, one day, I'm going to get this trade right. Uh, you cover a lot of digital assets. I'm going to start with the biggest on your list, which is Coin. Um, talk to me about it. Uh, from IPO price, or at least from initial month of trading, it is well below, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, when it began trading a couple of years ago. That in itself is very, very compelling to me. Um, share with me why Coinbase is a good uh, business if you want some exposure to this new asset class called digital currencies. Well, hey, uh, thanks for having me on, Wolfgang. So, I mean, you know, Coinbase came public when crypto could not have been hotter, right? Um, you know, the price of a Bitcoin was well over $60,000. Um, the industry was doing quite well. It was pre the FTX blow up and the like. Um, and, uh, and so it was, you know, it was, it was definitely happy days. You know, <laughs> things had, you know, we, we had a, a pretty tough patch here about a year and a half ago with, uh, the FTX debacle and, you know, with the macro slowing down, interest rates going up and, you know, Bitcoin dropped to, you know, into the teens, you know, mid teens from 60 to, to 15,000 a coin. Um, but, you know, during that whole, you know, period of volatility, um, you know, the Bitcoin blockchain has been, you know, super resilient and has performed quite well. You know, we had some failures of people out there, you know, the heads of FTX, you know, you know, it's a failure of people. Oh, you know, yeah, no question. Friends, if you haven't seen the movie Dumb Money on Netflix, watch it. I think it was Netflix. You'll find it. It's called Dumb Money. It talks exactly what uh, Joe's talking about uh, on the FTX blow up. Do you see the movie, uh, Joe? I have not seen oh, it's, it. Oh, it's no, excellent. Oh, it's excellent. It just talks about the... 
talks about the fellow pr- promoting um, promoting uh, meme stocks, and he got off promoting the um, uh, GameStop, and then it just uh, just went from there. It was a great, 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 great yeah. uh, documentary. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but uh, so, know, so at these so, levels now, so Bitcoin. Industry. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, saying at these levels, funny. So, so the peak for Bitcoin was about sixty thousand. This week, it had a fifty handle on it, or five handle, as we like yeah. to say, trading about fifty one, fifty two thousand. So, it looks like it wants to best its previous peak. My sense is it probably. I don't own any crypto. I'm not buying any crypto. Um, but Coinbase is an exchange. It's like the New York Stock Exchange. And guess what? That company actually trades on the New York Stock Exchange. Like that's it does trade in the New York, doesn't it? I see on the Nasdaq here, coins it trades in New York as well, doesn't it? I think it's a Nasdaq listed company. It says Nasdaq. I swear they got a New York listing. Maybe it's New York Nasdaq. Yeah. I'm the same. But anyways, yeah. um, but with with the creation of all the ETFs in the last few weeks, um, that has broadened the market, has it not? And therefore, given people, I think a little bit more comfort that the the the, the sector is real and growing. And I think it's now about a, but is it a two trillion dollar sector right now? Crypto all in. Yes, I think if you added up all of the market cap of all the cryptos out there, you'd be at about $2 trillion, um, of which Bitcoin comprises about half of that whole thing. That's interesting. That's interesting. You know, what's happened here, though, is, you know, it has been pretty, you know, interesting. You know, the Bitcoin blockchain network has performed flawlessly. you know, one of the, the key drivers of that network is what we call network hash rate or the amount of computers that are online that are, you know, solving the Bitcoin algorithm all over the globe. And the more of these machines that are online, they all have to agree with each other. And so what that means is you've got a very um, decentralized network and so it's very resilient. It would be very difficult to kind of hack or anything like that if you compare it to, say, you know, hacking in to, you know, J.P. Morgan's, you know, uh, that's a centralized banking system, right? If you can hack into, into their computers, you're in. Here, you'd have to hack, you know, millions of computers around the globe at the same time and, you know, spread out all over the world to be able to have that network um, agree on something different than hmm. that is reality. That's interesting. So, so the network does work. Obviously, yeah. some of the characters are just that. It's Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, I'm going to take a quick commercial break, pay some bills around here, and get back with Joe Vaffy. We're going to talk crypto, digital assets, uh, maybe a little healthcare if we got time for it as well. Uh, Joe is, of course, working in New York. I believe you're in New York, are you not, Joe? I'm in the Bay Area, but yeah, it's I'm in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah New York, U.S. Yeah. Same thing, <laughs> close enough. Yeah, uh, lovely. Uh, stay tuned. We're here right back to the show. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. i 
Kryptonite for you, my friends. Three doors down, I do love it. Spending some time with Joe Vaffy. He covers digital assets, cryptocurrencies, blockchain. And uh, I will say, uh, and you, you just speaking about it uh, prior to the break, Joe, uh, that the blockchain does work. It is as secure of a network as I think man has ever witnessed. Uh, kudos to it. Uh, let me ask this question here. We were also speaking with um, uh, Austin Moeller, uh, one of our sustainability analysts. And uh, let me ask you, Joe, how dirty is it? Uh, how much carbon is being produced to keep the blockchain going on a daily basis? And does the, does the Inter- International Energy Agency measure that? Yes. You know, uh, Bitcoin mining is, or, you know, doing the hashing is, it is definitely energy intensive. And so there is a downside to that. Um, you know, there there is a silver lining, especially what we're seeing in, um, in the blockchain, uh, you know, in the blockchain here in the U.S. as it relates to the Bitcoin network. And, you know, if you go down to Texas, for example, there is a huge amount of wind and solar power that's being generated out there. Mm-hmm. But what's happening is, is a lot of that wind and solar is being generated far away from cities that hmm. can use it. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. And so what, what, we've, what we've seen is uh, a lot of Bitcoin miners here in the U.S., they partner with these energy providers and they stand up their data centers literally right under the windmills. <laughs> and hmm. what... Yeah. And what this does is it allows it, it. It's a very symbiotic relationship. If you remember symbiosis from your, you know, from your. Uh, yeah. Dog in a tick. Days. Dog in a tick. That's what I know. Yeah. It's like, you know, how the remora hitchhikes on the on the shark and, the, and then but then the remora like eats off the eats off the particles off the shark. So they kind of they kind of work together. Cool. So. Here, what happens is, you know, a lot of times, believe it or not, like if the wind is blowing really hard and it's the middle of the night, that power price could go actually negative if those, um, if, because there's no place to put the power. Interesting. Oil went it. negative. That's funny. Yeah. And so, uh, so power goes negative. Wow. Bitcoin miners, yeah. These Bitcoin guys, they soak up all this extra power that would otherwise be harmful to the profitability of the, uh, of the wind farm guys. And so they work together. And so, and, and then when, you know, when it's, you know, when it's super hot outside and everyone's running their air conditioning and the price of power spikes in Texas, the Bitcoin guys shut off or they, they, or they curtail and they bring down their energy usage so that the wind farm companies can sell that power at a premium price into the electric grid so it it is you know there's definitely you know that's definitely not always the case here but you know if you consider you know these kinds of things that don't really get a lot of attention usually hear the negative stuff you know bitcoin mining is really actually a driver of of creating more green sustainable power because it eliminates some of the downside for some of these energy providers uh, when uh, demand is low. 
So there is a there's a positive to it too. And, and what about but what about storing that powder again? Uh, companies like Enphase Energy uh, that uh, Austin yeah, uh, covers. But, you know that's a lot of bad. I mean, I'm not an energy green. I'm not a you know I'm not a sustainability analyst. That would be you know billions and billions of dollars of batteries that are there, but and and the power is still very far away from where people will be using. You know, it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you what's going up here in Canada is uh, the government, of course, is doing its political thing and trying to promote its next election and how great it is. And so it just throws headlines out about supporting battery plants in Ontario, and the media is gobbling it up. And yeah. I'm getting questions on it frequently. Wow, isn't this great, Wolf? But Jack, you had the number <laughs> about per citizen what the cost is of opening up these battery plants. I think it's like a million dollars per I, I employee. I, yeah, I don't Deficit? have, I don't have the stupid. number off the top of my head, but I do know that government does not allocate capital very well. <laughs> You've always said that. You're so true. Um, but that yeah. just seems to be the politically correct thing to do. So uh, building battery plants, like, is that going to solve our problem, Joe? You know, I'm not. That would be a question for uh, maybe for uh, George Yanarkis here, our um, our guy that follows, um, you know, all of Generax. And yeah, we've all, had him on. We'll get him on again for sure. Yeah, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, you should, but I mean, because it's very timely. But also, you know, what, you know where they're also doing a lot of Bitcoin uh, blockchain mining is like in British Columbia using hydro. So if you think about it, like all those paper plants and lumber plants, there's been a lot of shutdown of of these of these um, mills, yeah. plants like paper. I mean, you know, making paper is very energy intensive. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, there's all this extra hydro. You know why? Because people still got toilet paper backed up from COVID. That's why they shut yeah. the paper, pulp and paper mills oh, down. Too much, too much toilet paper in their basements. On their phone, no one needs paper anymore. Yeah, I got all these Wolf on Bay Street pens, and no one wants them anymore either, Joe. Uh, things do change. Yeah. Um, it, it is truly remarkable, but you understand, again, global warming, no snow. Uh, in Kelowna, B.C., I've heard that they're actually importing electricity from the United States. They don't have enough to meet their base demand. Uh, so yeah. I think it's going to be a very interesting summer uh, weather, weather-wise. I don't know what's coming our way. Anyways, well, Joe, we're out of time. I'm getting the rap, the slap, and the fingers spun in the air. Get off the air, Wolf. Time for our next show. Uh, you've been you've been All terrific. Right. You've been absolutely terrific. It's a cool space yeah, that you're in, and I do I'm appreciate your time. Again, whenever you want me to. Thank you very um, much. Uh, enjoy San Fran. Right, that's that well, is where you. Uh, that's where your humble uh, abode lies. And yep, it's amazing how green they are on the West Coast, and for good reason. I do love people on the West Coast. They're great, great people. Uh, that's it for our show, Hi-Fi Radio. Please, any questions for Jack or I? Any questions about money? Uh, don't hesitate. You got a friend. It's me. Uh, RSP season coming to a conclusion. Make sure you minimize taxes. And uh, if you're just entering the workforce, you may also reconsider an RSP in for a first-time home buyer's savings account. Uh, those are really, really good. If you want to learn more about those, you can always reach out to Jack or I. We're here for you. We have your back. Uh, we want you to have more money. So please, each and every Saturday, 6.40 on the AM dial, 7 to 8 p.m. That's when you can find us. And if you do miss the show, uh, go to the website and you can grab the podcast. It's on Apple iTunes. Uh, share it with your friends. It's actually a top hit uh, show right here on 6.40. And and uh, it's all because of you. God bless. Love you. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email wolfandjack at wolfgangkline.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week.